prayer was, but if you know anything about Jewish history and what the Jews prayed, what they prayed every day, what they prayed moments throughout their day, it was uh, a prayer that often began, and I assume this was Jesus' prayer as well. Baruch uh, Adonai Eloheinu Melech Blessed are you, O Lord, our God, King of the universe, for giving to us bread from the earth to nourish our bodies and wine that makes the heart glad. And yet as we come to this table, we know that Jesus gave us not only the bread and the cup, but attached to them something even more significant. He gives himself to us. Blessed Blessed are you, O Lord, our God, King of the universe, for giving yourself for us and to us. This is where we're headed. This is a prayer that you can pray every moment, all day long. In fact, you have to excuse me for saying this, but the Jews even prayed that prayer after they took care of their bodily functions. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Grateful that everything's working. I mean, do you stop and think when you get up in the morning, God, thank you for the gift of life. Thank you for keeping me safe through the night. Mm -hmm. Thank you that the plumbing's still working. <laughs> Thank you that I have a job to go to. Thank you that I have a family. You just, all through the day, this was a Jewish practice, it still is for many today, to say, blessed are you, O Lord our God, King of the universe, for whatever it is that God has put on your hearts. I think that we would live differently if we were actually mindful that we're walking with Jesus and giving thanks to him all throughout the day, that we would live out of a sense of gratitude toward him. And maybe our prayer today should begin with confession. <laughs> that so often we focus on what we don't have, what we lack, the problems, the issues, the pro- you know, all the things going on in our lives or in the world around us, and we're so focused on that instead of giving thanks to God for all things and the ways that he's at work in them. Okay? So in my own meager way, I'll try to lead you in worship this morning. But as I'm praying, I invite you to pray with me. But as God prompts you as well in your own heart, lift up whatever it is that you need to give thanks to God for today. Let's pray. Baruch Adonai Eloheinu Melecha Alom. Blessed are you, O Lord, our God, King of the universe. For your great love for us, God, and the ways that you have demonstrated that love again and again and again, but most acutely through your Son, Jesus. So we come to you today, God, giving you thanks for him and all that he has done for us. For sins cleansed. For hurts healed. For hopes given. God, we come before you this morning asking you to forgive us for all the ways that we forget to see and forget to thank you, God, for your blessings that come to us that uh, day and night... God, help our hearts to be inclined toward you. Help us to walk with you, God, as a people, individually and corporately. Help us, God, to draw near to you, to hunger for you. Not just in this moment, in this hour, God, but all throughout the week. From the moment we arise in the morning to the moment we lay our head on the pillow at night, God, let us be mindful of your presence, of your goodness to us. Let us be a people who lift up your name and who give thanks to you for all your good gifts. Help us, God, truly to live out of a sense of joy and gratitude.
God, make our lives different as we walk with you. Transform us, whatever it is in us that is broken or ugly or needs to change. God, we surrender it to you. We ask you to do a new work in us. Sometimes fearful of what that might mean, but also trusting you, God, your goodness, your faithfulness, and your love, your wisdom, and your mercy. So God, be at work in my life. Be at work in our lives. Be at work in this church. Be at work, God, in our community, bringing healing and wholeness. We pray, God, that where there is darkness, you would bring light. Where there is despair, you would bring hope. Where there is death, you would bring life. Where there is brokenness and addiction, you would bring freedom. Where there is sickness and disease, you would bring health. Where there is deception, you would bring truth. God, for us right now, I pray that you would do a new work in us. In each of our hearts, in each of our lives. Lord, you know what it is that we all need, what we each need, and what we collectively need. Help us to leave here today, God, not just having heard your word but going into the world and desiring to now live with you each moment of every day. In all this we pray through your Son, Jesus, who taught us to pray. Our Father, who Who art in heaven, heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. I feel like I don't need to preach this morning. There is a uh, Latin phrase, it, uh, I won't bother sharing it with you, but it's, uh, it, it, it means this, repetition, repetition is the mother of learning. Actually, repetitio mater studiorum est, repetition is the mother of learning. So let's take a moment as we begin this morning to uh, review where we have been. Uh, for those of you who weren't here last week, we're starting a sermon series that's going to be just a six-week series on the 10 missional markers, what makes for a healthy missional church. Uh, There are notes in your bulletin this morning. Again, uh, the three that we're covering today are listed there, one, two, and three, although in hindsight, I wish I had numbered them three, four, and five, because last week we did one and two. These would actually be three, four, and five that are in front of you today. So last time, we defined what healthy what health is and what missional means. So for those of you who were here here last Sunday, health is defined as... Yeah, thank you. I I did hear it from one or two of you. Health is pursuing Christ. Say it with me. Health is pursuing Christ. And missional is... Pursuing Christ's priorities in the world. Say it with me. Missional is pursuing Christ's priorities... In the world, God wants lost people found and hurting people helped. Starting to feel like a catechism lesson, isn't it? Yeah. 
But this is important language for us to learn. This is part of one of our goals through this series is to, in a sense, learn a language that is going to serve us in the months and the years to come. So that as we talk about what it means for us as a church, Resigned Covenant Church, to be a healthy church, we have a common language that we're able to, to talk about. Are we healthy right now? Are we pursuing Christ? Are you individually pursuing Christ? Because you can't be healthy spiritually if you aren't pursuing Him. And the same with missional. We can't be missional if we are not pursuing Christ's priorities in the world. God wants lost people found, hurting people help. So we'll, I guess we'll just keep reviewing that until we get it. And if you weren't here last week, I would encourage you to go back and listen to the podcast from last Sunday. It's an important beginning place. Um, the focus was on a commitment to God's Word and also to a life-transforming walk with Jesus, Word and walk. And life-transforming implies that God uh, is growing you, maturing you, expanding Uh, and deepening your faith and your life in Christ. If we grab hold of this stuff that we're going to be sharing with you uh, through this series, if we grab hold of this stuff, or maybe better said is if if it grabs hold of us, then we will be an even more vital church, and your own faith will come more alive than it may be right now. And if the church is to thrive, or even survive long-term, it will need Christ followers who are growing into maturity and reproducing disciples. And we need to be sure that what we, what we possess is actually worth passing on to others. Could probably pause right there and just unpack that one for a minute, for a moment. But what is it that you have, truly, that others don't have? It's an important question to ask. Is what you have worth passing on to others? Is what this church has, is it worth passing on to others? And by the way, we didn't get it all right, and the people before us didn't get it all right, and those who will come after us won't get it all right, but we today have a responsibility to pass on to the next generation the best model of a healthy missional church that we can. And that's what we're going to be about. Pursuing Christ and Christ's priorities in the world will result in our lives and our church being a blessing. Remember again, God wants lost people found and hurting people helped. And this is directly related to the next three missional markers that we're going to look at today, which are actually three, four, and five. Intentional evangelism, Transforming communities through active compassion, mercy, and justice ministries, and a global um, perspective and engagement. These all have to do, listen, with preaching the gospel in word and deed. There are two scriptures that we'll begin with today. I'm going to invite you to turn with me to them. Again, Matthew 28 is the first one. Matthew 28, verses 18 to 20. It's on page 966 of the Pew Bible. I'm going to invite you, please, turn there. It's a short passage, but uh, I would like you to see it. In fact, like last week. You know what? We're going to do something else. Since I'm I'm learning all about uh, what it is to sit at the feet of Rabbi Jesus, um, if you've ever been in a Jewish synagogue when when the scriptures are brought out, when the scrolls are brought out, Anybody ever been there when they've seen that or been part of that? Or maybe you've seen it on television? Mm -mm. 
the congregation stands, and when the scriptures come out, they dance. If you've been into some mainline churches, liturgical churches, when the gospel is read, people stand. So I'm going to invite you to stand, and we're going to read together Matthew 28, 18 to 20. Let's read it together. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. You may be seated. This is a passage that um, many of you may have already committed to memory. If you haven't, I would encourage you to do so. It's one of those key passages in Scripture. This is known, this passage is known as the Great Commission. It's where Jesus sends out his disciples to reproduce disciples. And it was a, a word, of course, not only for, his, for the twelve, but for those who would come after them, including us. Our second passage comes from Micah. I won't have you stand for this one because it's in the Old Testament. That's no particular reason. But Micah... Chapter 6, verse 8. Micah 6, 8. This is page 903 in your pew Bible. This is not a passage, by the way, uh, that I ever memorized when, when I was uh, in the church of my youth uh, because I think my church, our, my denomination, lacked any kind of emphasis on compassion, mercy, and justice. But if you've been in the covenant for uh, any number of years or even your whole life, this is probably a passage that you know well. Uh, Micah 6.8. Let's read it together also. He has showed you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly and to love mercy, to walk humbly with your God. These two passages speak to the three healthy missional markers that we're going to unpack this morning. As I said, repetition is, is the mother of learning, and uh, the message title this morning is Bless, and we decided to go with that title because um, it sort of echoes back to a sermon series that we did in the spring, which was about intentional evangelism. We did a five-week series. Bless was the title of that series, and Bless was an acronym, uh, B-L-E-S-S, B for begin, this would really stretch your minds, but I won't stretch your minds to see how well you remember. B is to begin with prayer, L, listen with care, E, eat a meal together, S, serve in love, and the second S, share your story. So we spent five weeks in the spring talking about intentional evangelism And again, with the encouragement that you would be praying for your unchurched family members, unbelieving family members and friends, praying for your neighborhood, your communities, uh, that you might be reaching out and inviting them to lunch or to dinner, and uh, in the context of that, um, listening to their stories, listening to what matters to them, uh, earning the right eventually to share your story as well, and finding ways to serve. Again, if we're going to be a healthy missional church, we're going to be about these things. A commitment to God's Word and to a life-transforming walk with Jesus isn't only about what God wants to do in me or in you, but what He wants to do through us. The Word that gets into us is intended to get into the world. 
And the life-transforming walk with Jesus is, is intended not just to transform us, but to transform our world through us. Faith is not a private or personal matter. We are called out of the world and then sent into the world to be on mission with Christ, with God who wants lost people found and hurting people help. Matthew 28 is the Great Commission, but it is by no means the only place where Jesus sends his disciples or us into the world with the command to make disciples or to share the good news or to be good news to the world. There are many places that Jesus does that. For example, when Jesus first called his disciples, most of whom were fishermen, you remember what Jesus said? I will make you fishers of men. Okay? I'm going to give you a higher purpose. I'm going to, you're, going to, you're, going to be, you're going to be gathering people into the fold. Jesus, the rabbi, the itinerant preacher, the lover of sinners, the healer, of, the, healer of, of the sick, the comforter of the bereaved, modeled for the disciples a life of hope and healing. Jesus sent the disciples out to proclaim the good news of the kingdom and to demonstrate its power. They went out and, like their teacher, brought hope and healing. And then, of course, there's Acts 1.8. There's another place where Jesus said, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Numerous places where Jesus commissioned, called, sent, breathed on, said to his disciples, you're going to carry on my work when I am gone. Some have called the Great Commission the Great Omission. Because many times the church has not been about making disciples, reproducing. We cannot presume to think that we are a healthy missional church if we are not actively reaching out with the gospel to those who are lost or hurting. If God has a hold of your heart and you are walking with Jesus, at some point you will be burdened for people who are lost. You will have a growing empathy for those who are hurting. You cannot be alive to God and walking closely with Jesus and not share in and respond to the unbelief, the suffering, and the hurt of the world. Many of us grew up in a time when mission work was done in other countries, other cultures, maybe on campuses, but not usually in our own communities or neighborhoods. We sent missionaries. We sent missionaries. But times have changed. Other countries are now sending missionaries to the United States. We need to be intentional about being evangelistic in our own community, at work, at school, in the neighborhood, in the city to which we've been called. It should grieve us to see so many people who are without God and without hope in the world. Many don't know where to turn. They're chasing things that will never satisfy the longing of their hearts. They are, in the words of Jesus, like sheep without a shepherd. They are confused, frightened, bewildered, cast down, despairing, and in some cases, just plain deceived. Jesus said sheep, they're like sheep without a shepherd, which, by the way, if you read that in the context, that for Jesus, that was a scathing rebuke of the religious people of his time mm. who were failing to be shepherds to the people around them. Some of us are still in disbelief that we no longer live in a nation dominated by a Christian culture. We need to get over the fact that things have changed and get on with the task of being missionaries in our own land. There are people living and dying apart from Christ, apart from the hope held out in the gospel. And missionaries, again, this is, this is calling for us to have a paradigm shift for ourselves. 
to think of ourselves not as sending missionaries, but actually being missionaries, being missional in our own community. It's going to require a paradigm shift for most of us to even think this way, that we're now on the mission field. And it begins, to be a missionary begins with a burden for the people to whom you have been called, to whom you live among. Learn to love them, truly love them, as they seek, as missionaries learn to love their people as they seek to learn the culture and find places to bridge divides. When things are in flux, missionaries are flexible. They engage with people. They build relationships with people and love people so that when the time and opportunity arise, they are in a place to give the reason for the hope that they have. Evangelicals, when they aren't enmeshed with political parties or clinging to power or fighting losing cultural battles, are people of good news. That is what evangelicals should be known for. Good news. It's what the word evangelical actually means. It comes from Scripture. One of the passages, Mark 16, 16, 15, Jesus said, Kerixita ta oyangelion, preach the gospel. St. Francis of Assisi is accredited with saying, preach the gospel. When necessary, use words. (laughs) Words fall on deaf ears and ring hollow if they aren't preceded by or accompanied with genuine love and care. The gospel is good news, not just the good news of forgiveness of sins or of, of going to heaven when we die. For too long, some parts of the church have truncated the gospel and made it only about getting people converted or saved so that they go to heaven when they die. The gospel is so much more than that. It is that, but it's so much more than that. And that brings us to the second missional marker, which is transforming communities through active compassion, mercy, and justice ministries. Micah 6.8 really says it well. What does the Lord require of you to act justly, to do mercy, and to walk humbly with your God? Now, Micah was one of the minor prophets of the Old Testament. Prophets are those who speak from within the community. They see the weak spots. They, they see the glaring hypocrisies and inconsistencies of faith. That's why people chafe under prophets. Prophets are not popular. They often tell it like it is. They point out what isn't happening and what needs to happen. Prophets call us to see the truth about ourselves. They also call us to look beyond ourselves. Too often Christians and Protestants and evangelicals in particular have reduced the prophets of the Old Testament to merely voices that are (coughs) prophesying the coming of the Messiah. That was a part of their message, but by no means all of it. Prophets simultaneously announce and denounce. They announce God's reign of righteousness and peace, and they publicly denounce the world's regimes of injustice and violence. Prophets have a bias for the bottom. They stand in solidarity with the poor, the powerless, the marginalized. They are, vo- they are a voice for the voiceless. They are a voice for a voiceless God. Isaiah, one of those prophets who captured well the good news of the kingdom, seems to be a voice, a message, a book that Jesus most resonated with. If you read through the Gospels, whenever Jesus quotes the scriptures, almost every time, most of the time, it is from the book of Isaiah. I think Isaiah was Jesus' gospel. Mm -hmm. Isaiah was Jesus' gospel. It was his go-to book. Jesus taught and modeled the good news of the kingdom, inspired 
in part by Isaiah. The blind see, the deaf hear, the lame walk, the prisoner is set free, the dead are raised. Where did Jesus get that from? He got that from Isaiah. Hurting people found healing, help, and hope through the message and ministry of Jesus. And Jesus told his disciples to proclaim and to practice the same message. Jesus reached out to those who had been shut out or pushed out, those who didn't muster, who didn't pass muster. Jesus demonstrated that grace is a kingdom opened wide, and he offered a place at the table to all. What Jesus did, he calls us to do. In fact, Jesus said, you will do even greater things than I have done. There are a lot of things that the church has gotten wrong over the centuries, but there are a lot of things that it has also done right. Collectively, the things that the church has done to better this world, to better people's lives, is astounding when you look at the, at the record. From day one, the care of widows and then orphans. Women and children were treated not as property or second-class citizens, but found value and place in the community. The early church was radical in, in removing the old barrier walls, the dividing walls between people. It wasn't perfect. It wasn't without being messy, but it was radical, this new community of God that was being formed with people who came from very diverse backgrounds. It is Christians who led advances in healthcare, science, and the arts. They built orphanages, hospitals, homes for the aged. They advocated for education, established schools, colleges, and universities. It was the church that preserved Western civilization, language, literature, arts, and sciences during the, the Dark Ages. And in some ways, evangelicals, closer to our time, have gotten a, a bum rap. Evangelicals originally, in their early years, in their early decades of, of, of evangelicalism, of that movement, were some of the leaders in the abolition of slavery. They were voices for the poor in education. They were supporters of women's suffrage. Some were active in the civil rights movement. How we become known now for politics and power and cultural battles has not helped the cause. Zion Covenant Church, as well as our denomination, the Evangelical Covenant Church, has long been active and involved in ministries of compassion, mercy, and justice. This is nothing new for us. The ministries that we support in our community, both financially as well as with volunteer involvement, speaks volumes about our commitment to compassion, mercy, and justice. I think of things like Love, Inc., and, uh, which is, has an open house next Sunday, by the way. St. Susan's. Student Impact, the Recovery Ministry, those who served in our urban ministries this past summer, those who gave to the hurricane relief just a week ago or so, raising thousands of dollars from this church without hardly any warning or, or forethought. Generous. The trip to Flint, I think, what, two years ago, to addressing the water crisis. There were 18 people from this church who traveled to Flint, Michigan, on their own dime, covering their own expenses to be a presence and to, to distribute water in that hurting community. And the conversations that we've had around the environment and race and sexuality in our 520 talks is another example of addressing the social issues of our time and the ways that the gospel comes to bear in them. God wants lost people found and hurting people helped. Often you cannot share the message of Christ until people know that you care. They don't care what you know until they know that you care. 
until you've actually incarnated the good news. This is a lost and hurting world, but Jesus came to redeem and restore, to bring hope and healing, to bring joy and peace. The hope that Jesus brings and the healing that flows from him came at great price to him, and it will cost us as well. This meal that we're about to celebrate this morning reminds us of the cost to Jesus to bring hope and healing into this world. If we want to be an increasingly healthy missional church, we will need to be intentional about evangelism, individually and as a church, reaching out. And we will need to be active in our community with ministries of compassion, mercy, and justice. And we will need to do all of these things, not only in our own community, in, in Jamestown or Chautauqua County, but the third point in the, in the notes this morning, global perspective and engagement. We need to think about our own community, but we also need to have in mind the world. Again, Jesus said, You you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. The gospel is the light that pushes back the darkness. The gospel is this beautiful stone dropped into a pond. And the waves of healing and hope ripple out, touching faraway banks. It is the sound of hope and the promise of help echoing to far away places. We are, listen, Scripture says we are Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. May we be found faithful and fruitful.